Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. 
Father, we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise your holy name. We thank you. We thank you for the days that we're in right now. We thank you for the times that we're heading into. We praise you for the revivals that are breaking out. They may not be perfect, but at least it's something. We thank you for every word, that, uh, every march for Jesus, every uh, uh, get-together, everything that's hitting the news right now. It is exactly what was prophesied about the darkness rising up at the same time as the bride of Jesus Christ. Father, we know that we're not perfect. We know that the people that we're watching breaking out into these revivals are not perfect, but it is something that we have not seen in, well, in my entire life, quite frankly, and I just think it is absolutely awesome. I praise you for every time I see people giving you the praise that you deserve, Father God, and I pray for every single one of them, those who have lost their way or have been misled by the churchianity or some of the things that have been preached behind the pulpit over the years. Um, I just pray in the name of Jesus, and I pray that everybody else does lift them up too, uh, and, and Father, that they will find their way if they, if they are LGBT or, or misguided in some way or another because their church f- failed to admonish and correct them through the scripture then uh, we just ask you Father to witness to their hearts and and, and, and place a, a conviction of sin upon um, uh, their their hearts so that they will make the necessary adjustments to become that which they would obviously aspire to uh, if they are participating in such revival type events and we just thank you Father God for the, for the obviousness of the things because they are it, the, the obviousness of it and the uh, front stream uh, you know front page mainstream media nature of it all uh, is uh, is a very very welcome change to the disgusting uh, nauseating things that we've been subjected to with without any counter without any Jesus filled love and counterpunch from the from the kingdom father and we just I, I don't know what else to call it but I'll 
I'm going to call it a counterpunch. It's a loving counterpunch, but it's something that needs to be seen by the people of the world right now because they are lost and they are all wondering what is going on. And it's far, far too difficult for many of us to be able to reach through to those who think they have a pretty good understanding, but they're confused because they, they, they see the United States, they see the West, they see New Zealand, they see Australia, they see Europe, they see the uh, de- developed nations of the, of the world minus just a hand, small handful, uh, you know, self-punishing themselves and destroying, literally ripping out the very uh, heart of who they used to be as countries. And uh, it's very confusing for folks. And um, I just, Father, I just praise you for that confu- confusion because it is obviously leading to uh, your glorification, albeit not perfect, but nevertheless, an early breakout of a revival that I believe is going to be uh, the beginning of the very end and the soon departure of the uh, first fruits, first watch barley harvest of the church that's that's literally just the appearance of a spaceship away from a couple of weeks from departure. Father, we thank you for the days that we are in right now in the sense that we realize that we are in the midst of the uh, the uh, unscrolling of the scrolls of Revelation chapter 6 and Matthew 21, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13. There is nothing more exciting than to be able to read the Bible and see it as a newspaper. We see it everywhere we turn. Uh, it, you know, some of the things we do see, we wish we could unsee, but we just praise you, Lord, because it confirms what we have been hoping for for the last 12 years but have had the rug yanked out from us so many times uh, that it was quite in, incredibly discouraging for many of us and, um, and, and caused us uh, extended uh, periods of depression. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what the right words are. Feeling sorry for ourselves. What is that? A form of depression. But, Father, we praise you now that we are revitalized, that we have stayed steadfast. We have fought our way through so many of the trials and tribulations and difficulties and refiner's fire that we uh, had to and knew that we would, uh, that there was nothing that was going to stop us from making it or at least trying our very best to make it. And we just pray in Jesus' name that every single listener to this show, past, present, future, everyone who's even mentioned me in a prayer once in in the last several uh, years, uh, um, I just pray, Father God, a tenfold blessing, an anointing upon them, protection for their jobs if they have them, projection from uh, the the next iteration of evil, bioweapon, vaccines that are about to be, um, you know, uh, imposed upon people in, 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 in manners that we hopefully would like to avoid, uh, if at all possible. And we just thank you, Father God, for that divine protection. We thank you for uh, a, a platoon of warrior angels to be assigned to us to shut down all demonic portals, close uh, all eyes, um, make good eyes blind, make good ears deaf. Uh, Father God, hide us from the evil one and, and place us under the protection of your holy wings and your righteous right hand. We give you all the glory, power, and dominion forever and ever. We thank you for the days that we're in right now. Give us the strength, Father, the physical strength, the health that we need uh, to be able to get through the things that we're going through, whatever they may be, and be, and have the perseverance of Job and to have the, uh, the determination and dedication of Joshua in the name of Jesus, we pray. And now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless before the presence of your glory, Father God, in your throne room with exceeding joy. And man, I can only imagine what that feels like. Thank you, Jesus. And to you, Father God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. How long is forever? Amen.
Well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I, um, I, I guess what I'll do is I'll share, since somebody had asked me earlier, um, uh, I suppose there's some, I don't know, um, uh, yeah, folks who would like an update and, uh, in such associated with my job situation. Now, um, my request um, and my position to you um, as listeners of this program, uh, and, and, and of course we should be praying for one another and for the lost people of the world, and um, using a lot of the prayer tactics that we use on the prayer vigil. Once again, I've gotten another amazing confirmation from the doggondest of unlikely places, uh, and I think the more unlikely the confirmation source is, the more exciting it becomes to realize that the way that we have been and praying on the prayer vigil is exactly uh, probably the single most powerful uh, method of prayer uh, and the most fruitful method of prayer that is in, in play today. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But um, there have been those out there, you know, that, here's the thing. Yes, I praise God for every miraculous event, uh, the series of events that I've already testified to regarding the leaving of my prior job. It's the first time I've ever left under such circumstances. Uh, it goes against all of my, uh, you know, uh, ethical, you know, belief systems uh, and, and such like that. But you know what? It worked out beautifully. In fact, a little bit of feedback post leaving the job under those circumstances where I told them in a very well-written letter that the job was toxic. I don't want anything to do with them. I, don't, I am going to forego uh, any HR-related uh, interviews, uh, do not call me. I don't want to talk to you. Um, you know, and I was very blunt with them, but I was very professional as well. And I said, please send a box, and I will send back my laptop, and that'll be I'm done with you. And oh, and by the way, please mark my human resources file as ineligible for rehire. That is my way of sending a message to them that I wouldn't go back to you if my it was the last job in the world. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I'd rather be a homeless person digging for a you know hobo sandwich somewhere. All right, now anyway. Praise God for that. Now, so then the next question that people would, you know, pop over the wall to me is, you know, hey, oh, tell, give us a testimony about your new job. Tell us all these wonderful things. See, here's the thing. There is no such thing as a job transition. I mean, not that I'm aware of. I can't think of a single job transition that I have ever undergone in my, uh, you know, old as Moses life, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine, probable I don't know, has it been seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe ten different jobs in my entire life? I cannot think of a single one, one transition, not a one, that was like, wow, this is really great. Wow, I, I mean, man, I am just exuberated. I feel so good. I can't believe I'm so lucky. I'm the luckiest guy in the whole wide world. This is the best ever job. Oh, my goodness gracious. I just love not knowing where the restroom is. I love not understanding how the processes work. I love having to ask everybody every time I try to press a button on the computer if I'm doing the right thing or the wrong thing. I love having meetings all day long, having some Somebody tell me how to work a new application that I've never seen before after, you know, doing it for 26 years. You know, I, and, and, and I'm not complaining. I am praising God. Let me tell you something, folks. Since all this has happened to me, yes, I am praising God like crazy. Hallelujah. I literally, when that, you know, I have my Alexa make like a little doo-doo-doo, you know, sound in the morning uh, at 4 a.m. every morning. That's my wake-up call. Now, a lot of times I get up an hour earlier even, okay, before Alexa goes off, but when when my feet hit the floor in the morning, 
My arms go straight up in the air, and I am praising God out loud. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. And I mean it. Hallelujah. Praise his name. So, um, you know, it has been, um, you know, that it, it, and I, I did it. I did that before the job change, and I will uh, forever and again until we leave and depart this world, I will do it. I'll probably do it in heaven as well. Now, that, now all that being said, um, um, this any any notion that I would have some sort of like resoundingly positive testimony about making a, you know uh, wow they're just the greatest people in the whole world and uh, wow you know and you know no no. Nobody changes jobs and says that. You change jobs and you have anxiety attacks because you're like, are they going to fire me? Am I going to live up to their standards? You know, maybe, uh, you know, um, you know, you're spending a tremendous amount of time trying to figure things out. You don't know if you're doing it right. And if you do it wrong, then, you know, and it's not like anybody's going to yell at you or anything like that. It's just it's constant anxiety. OK, and that's the, that's the normal thing that happens to a human being when they move to a new job. It's just how it is, um, you know, but I have no complaints and everybody's real nice and stuff. Um, I mean, if there was one thing I could change about it, I would wish they were a Microsoft 0365 shop and used all the tools that 0365 has in it. I have 0365 on all of my computers. Um, I pay out of pocket for that for my whole family, which is all of all. It's me. I should say family for me. It's family of computers. How about that? Because I have, I do have kind of like a little family of computers. But anyway, that being said, um, you know, that is the world that I like to work in. That there's automation and things that are built into 0365 machines that do not exist when uh, organizations decide to use alternative tooling to do their jobs. So, for example, um, for 12 years straight, every time, you know, if I say I was working on five or six different customers at the same time, they each had a different name, I would have a folder inside my OneNote uh, just for that customer. So if I get eight emails in regard to that particular customer, whatever it was, I just click one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, hit the button for OneNote, and it would go whoosh right into OneNote, and I'd have a record of all those emails. Now, you may say that seems a little, you know, kind of crazy and OCD, John, but no, in reality, twice. Not once, but two times in the last six years, it saved my job from being fired. Okay, the reason is that a lot of times there's a lot of finger pointing that goes on in, in any profession, and depending on how your boss is and how the company operates and all that kind of stuff, they will tell you, prove it. You know that you know there was a t- there was one particular customer extremely large, incredibly global, unbelievable billions of dollars. Never mind that they just laid off like you know, I think it was thirty thousand people. No, no, no. I'm sorry, my bad. They laid off three thousand people and their entire C-suite. But the point is, they, to to my employer, they were considered to be you know one of the top ten customers, and so. You know, what happened was somebody in a very high-level C-suite position said, I want you to do this documentation on one page at a time. I just want – I want every single one of these standards to be written on a single page. Now, they come and grab me to go in and mop up the mess that another uh, consultant made. No wonder he made a mess because the, the ask of the client was ridiculous. Asking them to put that, that amount of information on a single page without making the font like four-point font is absolutely the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And when I took over the job, they brought me in to mop up the mess because the client was mad, everybody's mad, this person was mad, that person was mad. They even fired a consultant over it. 
which he shouldn't have been fired for. Although his work did kind of it didn't live up to reasonably decent standards. Let's put it that way. But anyway, the point is, so now I'm thrown into the middle of this big mess because the people that were managing the project didn't have the chutzpah to say what had to be said. Okay, sometimes you got to stand up to people who are asking for unreasonable things and do it in a professional way and say, excuse me, but Mr. Customer, if we do that, we are going to be missing some critical information on this piece of paper because we cannot possibly fit it all on one page. Somebody has to have the chutzpah to do that, and it, and it always turns out to be me for some reason. I don't know why, but you know, one of these days maybe it'll get me fired. I don't know, but you know what? I, at least I'll walk out that door, and I will know that I did the right thing. Praise God, because that's the most important thing. We, de- we never tell a fib, never lie. Everything we do is ethical. Everything we do is for Jesus. All right, amen? And Jesus will take care of us. All right, now, all that being said, um, I, you know, I don't have any of those tools. The ones that I've been using for 12 years, the CYA myself every single day, you know, through automation and, and all that kind of stuff, it, they're, I don't have them. I don't have them. Uh, the new company doesn't have those things. So now I'm having to completely reinvent how I do my daily, di- all my work, where I store things. How, how, you know, it's, it's crazy. And um, so, yes, that, what does that lead to? It leads to anxiety. It leads to stress. It leads to having to have a lot of meetings to ask questions. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Oh, you don't have that tool. Oh, you don't have that tool. Oh, we have to do this. Oh, how, how do you do that? Oh, my gosh, that's a lot. Of, that, you know. So anyway, you know. The testimony I have is praise the Lord that the Lord did the miracle that he did with, you know, basically the analogy I would use is I was standing on the side of the, the Titanic. The Titanic, the water was already up to my neck, okay? The Titanic was on fire, and people were shooting at me with 30 sixes. Okay, that is how bad the situation was. So how can I possibly be unhappy, even if they don't use the same tools, even if it's a little bit frustrating, even if some of the things that are asking are a little harder than I would think they would give to somebody on their first week of work? That's fine. That's fine. And the people are very nice, like I said. But anyone who would think, you know, hey, Johnny's going to have this, like, fabulous testimony about his new job. No, I'm not. You know, it isn't like I'm surrounded. You know, it's... A job is a job. They're hard to do. Um, I'm sure I'll have, you know, those nights of stress that come along with, you know, having to get in front of extremely large, complicated, challenging customers with challenging personalities. That's part of, you know, what I get paid to do. Praise God. But uh, and and I don't have any complaints other than the fact that, you know, my tooling is all dorked up. But, um, you know, the, the, the that's an unreasonable expectation. So if anybody out there did or was hoping that I would have this just glorious, gushing, golden streets, you know, angels flying all over the place, cats talking to us, uh, breathing underwater, um, you know, flying through the sky with Jesus, wonderful, glorious, uh, you know, transition. Um, no, that I never expect, I, not for even a, a, a nanosecond. That I had, that I suspect it was going to be anything like that. As a matter of fact, I was very nervous um, the whole weekend long about you know starting the new job because I knew there was going to be an awful lot I had to learn transition wise. What I didn't know. <laughs> 
until I got there was that all my tools were all dorked up and different. And I had to relearn everything on the fly. So I've got people sending me like, like you know, they want to do a video conference call with, with you know, with, with this project. This, you know, it's called Slack. And, um, you know, it's like a competitor of Teams. And Teams is part of O365. Well, I finally get to be an expert at Teams, but now I'm in a new company and they use Slack. And so it makes strange sounds and I hear like on my computer and I'm like going, okay, well, that's got to be somebody trying to get my attention. And then I'm like rifling through all these windows and trying to figure out, okay, who's trying to talk to me and what button do I press to let them talk to me? Yeah. So anyway, so again, thank you all. I praise Jesus and pray fervently oftentimes in alligator tears for every single listener of this show, because I want more than anything that every person who has ever listened to the show in the past, present or future, to make the barley harvest. There's nothing else that's more important to me. I don't spend an awful lot of time talking about Jesus coming back with ten thousands of his, his saints to open a piano, you know, whoop on uh, the entities and beings and whatever's left uh, here during Armageddon. Uh, you know, I don't talk an awful lot about uh, the fact that it seems like something like about ninety or ninety plus some high percentage, over 90% of people out there incorrectly identify the forthcoming war that we're about to enter into as Armageddon. It is not. It's not even similar. There's nothing like it. Their their end times biblical exegesis is so dorked up, it's utterly upside down. It is just wrong. Gigantic forty-point aerial bold flashing red letters wrong. Okay, Armageddon doesn't happen until way down the road. That is, if the Great Tribulation started today, it would be at least three and a half years until Armageddon happens. Now, um, uh, what we're talking about is World War Three, and that's what we're entering into now. That's what's actually in progress. I mean, really, when you want to, when you know, when, let, let's just put it on the line. But, you know, let's lay it out on the table and just say the way it is. Beating around the bush, you know, but this, that, and the other thing, or this similar, you know, and, you know, and doing the Glenn Beck thing, and boy, all the prerequisites of World War II are lining up exactly as they did in World War II, or I'm sorry, World War One, with what's happening today in the Weimar Republic and, and, and the hyperinflation and blah, 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 blah. You know what? Take all that stuff. It's great. What a great analysis. It's unimpeachable. Hallelujah. But you know what? Forget about it. Anybody who's got enough brain to fit the inside of a hollow pea can reason their way and look around at what's going on in the world and say, wait a minute, we are in the middle of World War III. It's just that if they don't understand that, it's probably because they have little or no understanding of how big wars historically have begun, which includes all the big wars, the the War of 1812, uh, every single war, the Revolutionary War, every single war that has ever, the Napoleonic War, for crying out loud, every war that has ever occurred, it does not matter, the French Revolution, you can name it, it has always started out with a rumble, and then a bigger rumble, and then a rumble, 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 and then a rumble here and a rumble there, but it was never like, da-da-da-da-da-da, we're at war, and somebody blows a trumpet, bonnie! And all of a sudden, a bunch of horses, like you see in a Ben-Hur movie, go ride at each other. See, I think a lot of times what happens is we go and we watch these movies on TV. They're great movies, a lot of them, and very historical in nature. But they kind of like fast-forward you through all the boring 
you know, family feuds and things between the Scottish family of, you know, this and that. And they don't really give you the whole, all the prerequisites that occurred. You know, there's a book, for example, you can go out there and probably still buy it today. I'm sure of it. I'm sure it's still available called The Winds of War. And there was a movie that was made after the book, The Winds of War. And what it was about was all the stuff that led up to World War II. (laughs) Let me tell you something. That is one of the biggest books that you can buy. Um, uh, you know, when you buy that book, you know, you're going to arrive at your house and you're going to be like, whoa. Um, like, it's almost as like, like Gary, like Gary Wayne's, you know, Genesis 6 conspiracy book. You know, you get it and it's like 600 pages of small text and you're like, well, I didn't pass my Evelyn Wood reading exam, so I'm figuring this is going to keep me busy until 2035, (laughs) okay? Unless, of course, you're in jail, uh, which hopefully you're not. Uh, Then you'll probably get through it in a few weeks. All right, praise God. But, um, you know, the wars always progress over time, and... We're we're in the middle of that. It, it, that's exactly what's happening. All the to, to Glenn Beck's very astute point. Um, all of the prerequisite dynamics, political dynamics, um, things, just everything, lines up. You could you could almost like I don't know. It's it's telling a story. It's it's the book. It's like you're reading the book, and um and those things are all happening right now, and they're 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 orchestrating it. The global satanic crime syndicate. That that's the thing that that the Russians don't understand. They don't understand why are they shooting themselves in the foot? Why are they making all of these accusations that are untrue? Why 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 would they do that to themselves? Why would they? What do you know? What, what is going on? I hang out on Telegram sometimes. I listen to the Russians talking back and forth to each other, and they're befuddled. They don't understand understand how we can act like the, the way that we're acting. They, they're blown away. They look at us and they're like, my gosh, it, it's, it's, there's no way that anybody in their right mind would do any of the things that they're doing. And then eventually I, I've had all I can take and I jump out. You know, I just can't stand seeing people having no idea and being befuddled. And I'll jump in and I'll say, here is what is going on. And I will type in there. I'll say all of this stuff is in the Bible. Russia is the red horse, which is the second seal of the book of Revelation. Okay, got, he, you know, Putin is ordained by God to carry a sword of death and, and levy punishment upon, you know, the people of the world, and et cetera. I said, but, you know, Satan uh, is doing his part and his part is to collapse the West, okay, which, by the way, aligns with the lore, L-O-R-E, of the phoenix bird, which, by the way, the double-headed phoenix was the Nazi, one of the Nazis' big occult symbols. Uh, there are those who say that the eagle that is on the $1 bill is never, never was intended to be an eagle. It was actually intended to, it was, it was intended to resemble an eagle, but it was really meant to be a phoenix. Um, it was designed by a, a very strange, creepy, you know, satanic mystic by the name of Nicholas Rorick, who worked on behalf of Henry Wallace, who is the vice president of Roosevelt, who is a 33rd degree Mason. And Henry Wallace was an overt Satanist. He told everybody, I worship Satan. Okay, he denied it. Okay, and, and it, you know, so anyway, you know, when you start putting all these things together, you understand Sir Francis Bacon, a Rosicrucian back in the 1600s, wrote an anthology uh, that was called The New Atlantis, and it was, you know, 
it about, about the creation of this incredible country that rose to power and then was and then was destroyed for the sake of rising up even an even greater power. So one of the things that you know people people get out there and they chitter chatter about things like the WEF and what they're doing and oh my goodness and the ESG and how it's coming down and then you have you know I'll have a conversation with my sisters or whatever and I'll just kind of like do a little bit of probing or whatever to you know and and I'll get feedback like well that'll never happen here that'll never happen here because we're this and we're that and we're that and we're this and that this and this and that the problem is that what they don't understand is it really doesn't matter to the entities that are behind all of these things, whether or not the United States falls in line or not. It doesn't really matter to them if there's another, you know, it's, it's a pain in their hiney cheeks, yes, for them to have to deal with another Donald Trump. It does slow down some of the progress for them and, and you know, that kind of thing. And they'll, they'll, do, they'll deal with it in the way that they need to JFK deal with it um, and, and, and things like that. They're, you know, but what, what, what people don't seem to understand is that part of the master plan, it, it, the master plan is to reduce the Europe, Australia, New Zealand, um, and um, any of the other developed uh, nation states in a significantly advanced, developed, and you know, potentially nuclear nation states to. Bring them to their knees, really, just to bring them totally to their knees. They're already doing the 15-minute cities in, in the U.K. I've heard that they've increased the number. It's not just Oxfordshire, but it's a number of different uh, cities. I've learned over the years not to say Oxfordshire, which is what an American would normally do. it. You've got to do it the British way and say, sure, Oxfordshire. But anyway, um, uh, but, but they're doing it already. So there's always people saying, oh, well, we're never going to do that. And I'm like, no, no, you know, dude, chill out. They're already doing it. They're already doing ESG. They're already doing the, the Chinese social credit system. They already have the banks that are kicking people out. The stuff is all happening. It's just they're doing it in a boiled frog, fan, boiled frog fashion. And um, in some places, not so much. Some places they're doing it a lot more quickly. And, um, but it's happening. And it's happening gangbusters. Now, why the reason why they're not so concerned about the compartmentalized, uh, you know, state um, architecture of the governance governance system of the United States of Babylon the Great? They're not really that concerned about it because they're going to destroy it anyway. See what I'm saying? So they're very, very happy. I can tell you this. They're very thrilled at the progress that they've already established. They, all of the control, control, control they have across all of Europe, the collapse of Europe, the collapse of the dollar, the, the euro. They're very, very happy about the incredible compliance levels that they have gotten out of the United Kingdom, which are absolutely beyond words. They're incredibly ecstatic about the control grid that they've locked down over all of Australia and New Zealand. That words cannot describe. They're making such progress. I mean, they're they're, they're totally high fiving and having all kinds kinds of, you know, satanic ritual ceremonies and celebration of taking over and doing the things that they did during the Grammys and, and the Super Bowl and all this other stuff while everybody sits around with their can of Bud Light and goes, you know, wow, that was kind of a neat performance. I wonder what that was about. You know, and, and, but, and, and it's, you know, but they don't care about DeSantis. They don't really care about Trump. They, it's, it's, it's such a minor obstacle in the grand scheme of the master plan, which is to destroy the United States of Babylon the Great, which has captured 
absolutely vividly in the book of Revelation. Revelation 18 is the destruction of Revelation. Uh, Revelation 18 is the destruction of Babylon the Great, which actually occurs during the day of the Lord. Which so Revelation 18 can be snapped right out of Revelation, and it can be moved right between Revelation chapter 6, verse 12, and verse 17. You can take Revelation 18 and jam it right in there. As a matter of fact, when it says that the sky <clears throat> will roll up uh, like a scroll. That's pretty much the uh, very short abbreviated metaphor uh, for uh, the destruction of Babylon the Great by Russian nuclear submarines. Okay, that's how it's going to go down. Okay, now whether there's other events, though, that are that are supposed to occur, depending, you know, there are prophecies, dreams and visions I've been given from Tatiana. Uh, You know, I've mentioned her many times. Um, She's, you know, Russian speaking young lady who uh, grew up in Odessa. Her mother is still over there. Um, she told me that all the stuff about the Nazis was true. She was chased by them when she was a little girl. They wanted to kill her. Uh, you know, it, 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 none of these things are rumors. These are all facts. And Putin's had it up to here, and he's, he's telling the whole world, we're a bunch of pedophiles and sickos. We don't, you know, and, and you know what? What would you think if you were looking at the, at the, at the, um, uh, at the government, uh, governmental cabinet of the United States of Babylon the Great right now? How could you not be absolutely beyond nauseated? to see it. I mean, now I'm seeing an, another influx of videos and such with Michael Obama dancing around with her thingy hanging out. Okay, so I mean, it's it's not like people are just waking up. It's like people are waking up for a second time and a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time, which I think is good. I think it's good because it is a great uh, precursor to what we need to have happen so that we will have the Jesus rallies that we're starting to see, even though they're imperfect. So again, please, please, in the name of Jesus, do not stomp on them. Do not, do not go, oh, they're playing music from, you know, Bethel or whatever, or they're playing Hill song. No, folks, we have got to get out of that. If you hear Christians doing that and pointing fingers and saying stuff because, you know, this and that and this and that and this and that, run for your life. Judge not the EB judge. You do not want to be standing in line with them. Because there will come a time when they go before Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, have we not done this in your name and done that in your name and cast out devils and this, that, and the other. And Jesus is going to say, be gone. Ye doers of lawlessness, I have not known you. But what do you mean lawlessness? Judging. People who understand will never judge, and people who judge will never understand. It's a schism in the in the Christian church that is absolutely insurmountable. I've dealt with it for 12 years. God taught me all about it. He said, get away. Run for your life. Don't have nothing to do with it. That's one of the number one reasons why social media will send more Christians to hell, at, with, with the exception of one other thing, which is um, unforgiveness, unfortunately. Um, but I've begged people, I've bawled on the air, begging people, I've given people testimonies that they could listen to, Roderick Pickens, Roderick Pickens, look up his testimony on YouTube, he stood at the beam of judgment seat, he barely got through, Jesus almost rejected him, uh, there were plenty of people that Jesus cast into the pit because of what they said on social media, e.g. Facebook, e.g. whatever, Okay, I'm telling you, okay, it's not people are delusional. They think everything is just a free ride. Everything's going to be, oh, hey, I'm going to give you a big Jesus hug. Welcome to heaven. Thank you, good and faithful servant and everything. And they don't have to do diddly squiddly. Well, that is not how it works. I'm sorry. 
And I tell you this because I care. I do this program because I care. Before I started this radio show, I was now, you'd never know this because of the way I'm talking because I'm going like 500 miles an hour, but I'm just telling you that, you know, it happens to me all the time. Maybe it's oppression from the dark side. Who knows? I don't know. But I, right before the radio show, I was so, I was, man. I was like ready to go out. Not, I mean, literally fall asleep in my spot, put my head on my desk, go out like a light, wake up tomorrow morning and go, what happened? I was so exhausted before I started the program. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? I, 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 I especially am I'm not really fond of doing radio shows when we don't have an awful lot of uh, really good apocalyptic news. Now, when we have a lot of great apocalyptic news, that's great news. Well, you know, and, and, and I'm not playing Walter Cronkite here. I, this is about Jesus coming. Because until the stuff gets really, really bad, which it is, but consistently and forever, you know, it's got to be like, you know, like the one prophecy. You know, you will barely be able to get your, catch your breath between these events. Okay, we are occasionally going through bursts of such periods where, you know, there's like six train derailments with chemicals on them in less than five days or something like that. Um, you know, or, or, or manufacturing facilities with chemicals inside of them or, or egg farms and chicken farms and, and you know, and there's uh, all kinds of stuff. And, and it's just endless. And then there's, you know, now we're, now we're up to 500,000 Russian troops that are completely surrounding the Ukraine. And, the Ukra- and, and now Russia is marching in on the Ukraine. They're surrounding it. They've almost completely wiped out Bakhmut. Once, once Bakhmut is out, forget it. Once Bakhmut is out of the way, they have access to a road that they need to go straight into Kiev. They already got troops and convoys that are moving north from Belarus into Kiev. They Now, uh, I know that they have been doing a lot of infrastructure takedowns in Odessa. Uh, I've had some conversations with Tatiana, and she's been very concerned because, you know, it's cold, and her mom's had to go without power for quite some time here and there. But she's getting along okay, and that's good. Praise God. But anyway, um, so things are progressing. Make no mistake, but sometimes, you know, we get to a point where we're having a radio show, and I really would like to be able to demonstrate and talk about all of these things that are explosive and apocalyptic, and here we go, guys. You know, get on your get on your knees, seek the Lord. You know, don't turn back. Spend as much time in the secret places as the most high as you possibly can. Pray to God that if you need any refiner's fire, if you need any, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, chastening or whatever, just take it from me, Father. Take my house. Take whatever it is that's out of alignment with your will. Whatever I have, I want to make the barley harvest. I want to get out of here. I want to do your work. I want to touch people's lives. I want to pray like I've never prayed before for the lost people of the world, not because I want rewards or an escape, but because I love you, Father. And I love you more than anything. I trust you more than anything. I love you, Jesus, more than anything. And I want to do exactly what you want me to do. I've been put here for a reason, and I want to make that reason count because I love you, Father. And we need to be like that right now. If we're not like that, we are really kind of lukewarm, actually. And I don't want to get vomited out of Jesus' mouth. I don't know about you. So I have let loose on the Father more than once. I've told him, look, you know, if you've got, if, if, if you got to burn down my house, burn down the house. I don't care. Whatever you got to do, you know, just make it happen. 
I surrender. It's not one of those fake little, I surrender, ah, uh, I surrender, ah, uh, la, 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 la. Yeah, 99.9% of the people that sing that song have no idea what it means. When you're willing to tell the Father that he, you know, if you need to burn my house down, if you need to put me in the street, if you need to cut off my arm, or if you need to give me cancer, whatever it takes, Lord God, I want to make it. I want to do whatever I need to do to be able to make you happy, to please my Father, because you've been awesome to me, and I want to be just as awesome back to you. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. And that needs to be our attitude right now, out of love, out of adoration. And and we're coming, it's so much closer than it's ever been. That's all I can say. I still hate the word soon. I hate it. It's, 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 it's irrelevant. The word soon has absolutely no meaning whatsoever. I don't know who invented the word, but if I ever ever meet the person who invented the word soon or the word imminent, I am i don't know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm thinking I'd like to do, but I wouldn't do that. But I would be thinking it, <laughs> okay? I don't like it. I'm sorry. I, I work in a field where you have to have exactness. You can't say, we, you know, we periodically do this. What does that mean? It doesn't mean nothing, <laughs> okay? What, every eight years? You know, what's periodic mean? Specify it. And so anyway, because of that, you know, I all I can say is this. Like I've said before, analogously, if you were to draw yourself a line, you know, just a straight line, a t- we'll call it a timeline for grins and giggles, um, uh, that, that what, you know, from the left side of the page to the right side of the page, it's a line. And the left side of the page is Adam and Eve in, in the Garden of Eden. And the right side of the page is, we'll just, we, we'll leave the, Great tribulation out of it, okay? The descending of the bride, you know, or the, you know, in, in the New Jerusalem dressed, you know, adorned as a bride. We'll leave that out. We'll just go up to the point of the barley harvest, the first fruit harvest, the first watch departure, okay? Right after the big round copper uh, Death Star spaceship shows up in the sky, and a couple of weeks go by, we're out of here. Hallelujah! All right, now. We'll just go to that point. That's that's the end point of the right side of the line, and the left side of the line is the Garden of Eden. If you put a dot for every apocalyptic thing that has happened across the years, you include the Napoleonic War, the Roar of eighteen twelve, uh, you know the, the American Civil War, you know the Revolutionary War. You go back even further, back and further, back and further, back and further, and you put dots. You know major events that have happened. Eight, the eighteen sixty three, you know, uh, 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 LNG White uh, group, you know, of the, of the early Seventh Day Adventists, and how they thought that you know the Great Tribulation was upon them, and they were going to leave any second, which, of course, was wrong. And, of course, you had this other group that in 1611, I forget who they were, but it was a, great, it was a noteworthy collection of Christians in 1611. Uh, worldwide, you know, of course, everything went, was on horseback, you know, but, it, you know, I can't do the horseback thing. No, that doesn't work. But anyway, um, and, and they would, you know, get, that's how they would get their letters. And they sent, the different churches sent letters, and everybody in 1611, they were, you know, not everybody, but a, a large portion of the churches thought in 1611 they were about to leave for the rapture. So the, but if you marked all the things that have happened over time, all the major events, the, you know, the, the, the Romans uh, conquering different towns, the uh, Pope Innocent III and how he sent out his mercenaries to slaughter the Bogomils, to slaughter some of the best Christians that ever lived on the face of the earth, who, by the way, never fought back, and walked to their death singing songs with their children hand in hand, just like Jesus would have. 
But Christians of the day, they don't get it. They don't get it. So anyway, um, uh, but if you put little dots on that timeline for every major event that you could possibly find, you know, in your studies, all right, and you look at what we're seeing right now, right now you would have on the very, very last, let's say, inch of that timeline, you would have this cluster of tightly, the dots would be very close together. And there'd be a lot of them, a lot of them. Okay, and throw in the fact that, you know, I know there are people that disagree with him and they, and they say what they believe and they even quote the scriptures and stuff. And I and they come on the show, too. A lot of them come on the show. And I did. I emphatically disagree with them. In fact, I know they're wrong, but I'm not going to say anything about it. If they want to say to call something something because that's what they believe, that's fine. The only time that I will ever interrupt the guest is when what they're saying could potentially lead somebody to hell. Otherwise, they can say whatever they say. I want to say, I don't. It's irrelevant to me. All right. So you know, but if it has anything to do with heaven and hell, forget it. I'm going to jump in there and make a correction on the spot. All right. But anyway, uh, and it's rare. It hardly ever happens. But anyway, but think about it. So just so so you know, can you? Define soon as a cluster of dots on your timeline that is so tightly knit together that <clears throat> it makes the rest of the dots on the timeline appear to be like, uh, you know, really, 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 really far apart. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. There's no question about it. If you were to map it out like that on a graph, you would have to say, whoa, what's going on over here? This is really big. Don't even get me going on all the extraterrestrial blah, 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 coming out of the mainstream media and what are the balloons and what are these things and is it extra? You know, like I said, I, I already told my I, – I told you what I think. Okay, you know, I, I just don't think they were E.T. Now, if they were E.T.-ish, then they were just probes that were moving around and doing whatever they were doing, but they were definitely not ships because you, you, American – there is no military equipment, even hypersonic missiles that can even come in close to touching one of those. Even the little scout ships, the scout ships move so fast, uh, and they have sensors and the ability to displace gravity and fold uh, like, the, like it says in the book of uh, Judges uh, where God uh, bow, bows the heavens. Okay, that's warp speed. I don't know if you understand that, but when you read that, that the Lord God bows the heavens in the Bible, that is basically what warp speed is. Okay, that's when you're when you have the ability to take the the mass, if you want to call it that, or the hologram that makes up whatever it is we see on the plane that we're looking at, um, and you're able to bow it, bow it, and you can go straight through that mass, you're able to go from here to Andromeda in like 14 minutes. Okay, so that that is bowing the heavens. That is the concept of faster than light speed. That is the concept of warp speed. And the Bible supports these things. All these things that we point to, oh, wow, George Lucas, he was a genius. Look at that stuff that's got going on in wars in the heavens and blowing up planets and wow, and, and you know, and, and, and Star Trek Voyager, and where did they get all of these ideas, and, and do you suppose it could ever happen someday, and, 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 and you know, Gene Roddenberry must have been clairvoyant. No, Gene Roddenberry was talking to fallen angels. 
You know, once you realize things and you've read enough books like I have, praise Jesus, and I, you know, I'm just saying, it's true. I'm not making up fibs. I'm t- you know, get yourself a copy of The Only Planet of Choice. Re- just read the first two chapters of the book if you want to. Gene Roddenberry was sitting right there with Phyllis Schlimmer, and she was prophesying the words that were coming out of the... Oh, oh whoops, did I say prophesying? She was. That, what's the difference between channeling and having, having a telepathic communication with a fallen angelic being? and having a telepathic conversation with an angel or our Heavenly Father or the Holy Spirit. One's called a prophecy. The other one's called channeling. Prophecy, channeling, prophecy, channeling. And all it is is it's two different sources that are, that are piping up, you know, pushing the information out. Now, all that being said, Ron Berry was in the room with Phyllis Schlemmer. He would hang out with her all the time. So the, the very first um, Star Trek uh, series that came, you know, that was on television in the 60s, 70s, et cetera, that those ideas, it wasn't like he, he just made that stuff up. He wasn't some kind of incredible genius like Einstein, and he was like, hey, I'm going to you know, make phasers and, uh, and, and, and uh, transporters, and um, there's going to be all these incredible beings and things and civilizations all over, and go where no, no man has gone before. They even have in the original Star Trek, they have the concept of the, um, of the Enterprise moving from one galaxy to another, and it would, and it would always have problems because there was like a firmament there. <laughs> And they take this little model of the, you know, it's like the, the the special effects look really crummy today, but whatever. And but the concept is correct. Can you loose the belts of Orion? Can you guide the sons of Arcturus? Uh, you know, they they had all these concepts correct. Why did they have the concepts correct? Because they're talking about the Council of Nine. The Council of Nine aligns to the nine stones in Lucifer's ephod. Okay, so if you study the King of Tyre and you read all of that stuff, which Lauren's really good at and all that kind of stuff, although I think he gets a little crazy sometimes, and that's all right. I like crazy people. Uh, they they make me think uh, that they're crazy. Uh, but, but but anyway, on that note, you know, it, it is kind of neat to explore people's ideas, you know, and to – you know, uh, investigate their various posits or hypotheses or theories, if you want to call them that, um, uh, and and say, wow, you know, I didn't really consider that. You know, it was Lauren that I I called him all kinds of names. I was like, you know, you're an absolute raving lunatic when he first told me uh, that angels would need to use technologies if they would enter into this hologram, into this space, into this realm. They would need technologies to protect them from what? The uh, outer space. Just like the men angels that went to visit Lot's house would need an umbrella, which is a technology, by the way. Um, it doesn't have to have a plug on it to be a technology, okay? All right, a spoon is a technology. An umbrella is a technology. All right, um, you know, if, if – um, so anyway – and it's all over the Bible. You know, be careful who you entertain because you might unwittingly entertain an angel in the book of Hebrews. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't know if you've read anything about the angel that came upon uh, Daniel and he threw himself prostrate, freaking out, eyes of barrel, uh, you know, uh, uh, face of lightning. And Daniel's like, wow! And he just, like, throws himself on the ground. That must have hurt. I don't know about you, but when I throw myself on the ground, you know, last time I had that kind of impact, I was skiing and I hadn't been practicing for a really, really long time and I just thought I was big and bad, and I went out and got on the slope, and man, I hit a hill, and I went flying up in the air and came straight down on my stomach, knocked the wind out of me, and that's that had to be what happened to, to uh, Daniel, because he had the spirit angel appear to him in a spirit body, and they don't have the same abilities you got to fight fire with fire. If you're going to be in the hologram and you're going to deal with the mass that's in the hologram, you've got to be 
part of the hologram. All right. Otherwise, you can do stuff. You might be able to make an appearance, but you can't do you can't like have scrambled eggs. You're not going to be able to sit down and say, excuse me, but I'd really like some poached eggs with a nice slice of tomato and some bacon. And boy, this is delicious and just bite into it and stuff. No, it doesn't work like that. They have to incarnate in incarnate. I didn't say reincarnate. That's an invention of the devil. They have to incarnate into human bodies. And then, you know, where they get them? Does God create them? Is it like was in the movie Starman with Jeff Bridges? Probably so. I don't know. Uh, Tom Horn likes to call them fit extensions. I won't even get into that noise. But the point is, you got men angels and you got spiritual angels. And they're very different, but they're very the same. Well, when a men angel is sitting there having scrambled eggs with you and it starts to rain, what are they going to do? Pull out a technology and stick it over their head because they don't want to get their head wet. Because they just used their nioxin. They got that good look in their hair. It's combed just right and it's looking, you know, right on. And they don't want their hair to be messed up or whatever. Praise God. But it's exciting when you put all this stuff together. It's exciting to get an idea of how big it is, how big eternity is to us, uh, and, and, uh, and, 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 and to say, wait a minute, you know, what we're looking at through the, the Spitzer Space Telescope, the Hubble Space Telescope, the, the, there's so many out there, the Weiss Space Telescope, the, the, you know, the Stereo A, Stereo B, the, oh boy, you see a lot of spaceships hanging around the sun. I wonder why that is. Because there's an awful lot of light lighting them up. That's why you see them. But anyway, um, it's very exciting to be able to put all this stuff together and see that the Bible, these that 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 prior civilizations like the people in 1200s and 1300s would have looked at it and go, well, that's obviously a metaphor because you know we really can't think of anything else to plug in there, so it's got to be a metaphor for something else. Let's guess what it might be. And so, of course, as time goes on. 1200s, the 1300s metaphor, the 1400s metaphor, metaphor, the 1500s metaphor, the 1600s metaphor, the 1800s a little less metaphor, 1900s a little bit less metaphor, 21st century hardly any metaphor. Get it? Because we got pieces to the puzzle that ain't nobody ever had before. And unfortunately, the vast majority of churchianity is still living in the world of the 6,000-year-old planet Earth. And that bothers me a lot because I pulled my daughter out of the pit with the help of the Holy Spirit by helping her understand the way things really work. Because she's a common sense, she's smart, she's science-minded, and she said, what the Christians are saying out there is poppycock and boulder dash. And I said, you know what, you're absolutely right. And the opportunity that God has given us to save people's souls with the information that we have now to be able to piece things together. Maybe we're not 100% right. Maybe there's a margin of error of 15 to 20%. We don't know. But if we're even 80, if the 80-20 rule applies to our current understanding of the most likely series of events that led to where we are and played a role not only in millions of years ago, but is currently playing a role in our, our ultimate destiny and will play even a bigger role during the Great Tribulation and the descent of the giant cube-shaped UFO. Imagine all the people on the earth going, wow, look, it really is the Borg. The Borg are coming. The Borg are coming. The Borg are coming. They're going to see this giant cube-shaped New Jerusalem coming right down out of the sky. And what do you think they're going to think it is? They're going to think it's a UFO. All right? Of course they are. Uh, so anyway, I, you know, but people don't think about that stuff. They they read it, and they're just like, oh, well, you know, yeah, it's cubular in shape. And, you know, man, it's, wow, it's like, you know, adorned as a bride. But they don't really, they, they, you know, it's just 
The problem is what we really need to do. There's this guy that I like to listen to sometimes on my Twitter channel. He calls himself DC Drano, you know, Washington, <laughs> Washington, DC Drano. Uh, and um, I, 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 he, he really hits the nail on the head a lot of times. And really what we need to do, I mean, I, I wish there was a way to do it, but you know what? God will be God and it will happen in his time, in his perfect way, in the way that it needs to happen. And, but, you know, guys like me, I wish there was some big toilet flushing button that I could press, and it would just go, and all the pastors and all the churches would just get sucked right down into a giant Drano tube. Uh, not, not, the, not, 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 you know, nothing bad happened to them, but just get sucked down into the whirlpool, swirl around a little while, maybe get a whirlier, swirlier, whatever you call it, and then, you know, maybe get dropped off somewhere in heaven and, and start praising Jesus or whatever the case is. But we need to get new, fresh blood in there, people who have the ability to think past the 6,000-year-old earth. Because we got people's souls to save We got to get out there and touch them We have to be able to explain the unexplainable And we have the ability to do that now Like we like has never existed Since before there was time Hallelujah Thank you Jesus Which is what makes today very exciting As far as our opportunities to witness to people And I, I, I really what I, I, I think I'm going to try this weekend To break things up a little bit And force my lazy butt It's not, so much, it's, it's not as much laziness As it is It just doesn't If I have somebody to hang out with me at a restaurant It's different, then I go, I always go I, I, I always go and I always pay But if I don't have anybody to go with me Which is 99 out of 100 asks, um, uh, then, uh, you know, I'm kind of like, ah, what's the use? I don't really feel like going over there by myself. But I got this new really smoking laptop, and um, and I, I, I don't know. I want to kind of give it a test drive. The only thing is I got to call them first and make sure they got Wi-Fi. Um, uh, but maybe hang out over there. I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably get bored with it after a while. Just eat my ridiculously fattening food. I got to get a salad or something. Um, but anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, I wanted to just go ahead and keep you on the edge of your chairs because, folks, this, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to get really bumpy. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And on that note, let's go ahead and see if the kids would like to hear some jokes. That's deafening. Ow. Okay. Uh, I will take that as a yes. Ow. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to be deaf before I'm 62. All right, kids. I couldn't believe the highway department called my dad a thief. But when I got home, the signs were all there. Kids, call my dad a thief. The signs were all there. What do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one. I don't think it was all that good. I deserved a boo. All right, kids, how about this one? Who is a penguin's favorite relative? Antarctica. <laughs> oh, it's pretty good. Come on, you meathead. Uh, you bunch of ice cream eating meatheads. All right, praise God. All right, kids, I just found out that I'm colorblind. The news came completely out of the green. <laughs> you know, instead of out of blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. You think? Oh, okay. oh, man. Oh, you guys are loud. 
All right. I like excited kids uh, sometimes. All right. Um, unless I'm trying to get something accomplished. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And on that note, let's go into the news before we bring in Lorne and, Brother Lauren and uh, become utterly befuddled at his um, his his uh, what would you call it? His uh, advanced musings and posits about things. Lots of things. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, let's go into the news. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, Praise God, I love confirmations. And I got one here. It's pretty cool. It's very cool. All right. So, so I, you know, I've got my finely tuned Twitter feed, which, you know, it, sometimes it comes in unbelievably handy. And then other times it's like, oh, they're hashing over the same stories over and over again. And then I just toss it. <clears throat> but this one I stumbled across and I was like, wow, check that out. So Dinesh, D'Sou- Dinesh D'Souza, who is, uh, you know, a Christian, uh, is also the author and promoter or whatever they call it, producer of, um, uh, what was it, 2,000 Mules or something like that or whatever, uh, that proved beyond any shadow of a doubt that there was massive fraud in the election. That, of course, you know, you would think anybody watching it uh, would think, you know, hey, that's going to change everything. Trump will be right back in, you know, they're going to get rid of No, it accomplished a whole lot of this. It's too bad. It was really well done, and it definitely proved what it needed to prove. All right. But anyway, uh, so another fellow caught uh, D'Souza making a comment on uh, Twitter, and this person – anyway, it ended up into my feed. I don't know what all the rules are, and I frankly don't care as long as I get the information the Lord wants me to see. And this is what he said. Now, of course, the, the person who posted or whatever said – you know, he quotes like Acts 2, 17, you know, the days will come – in, in the last days, uh, you know, that will come to pass, and the Lord will pour a spirit upon all flesh, sons and daughters, and will shall prophesy, et cetera. Now, uh, but that's not – What's amazing? What's amazing is what D'Souza put up. He said, hey, Muslims by the millions are converting to Christianity. This has never happened before. Never happened before. He said, and the astounding explanation given by many of the converts is that they are seeing dreams and visions of Jesus. I don't know about y'all, but Sounds like a praise Jesus moment to me. Hallelujah. Amen. But you know what? That's why we've been praying on the prayer vigil now for the better part of, what, over five years. And I've got another confirmation from the Lord about it. And had a guest who was a Muslim who converted to Christianity and and, uh, is now a minister um, over in Oceania. 
So uh, this is nothing new to us, but evidently it is uh, uh, new information to Dinesh. All right, praise God. So uh, and so evidently he's getting. You know, I believe that he is an ex-Muslim. At least he seems like he is, and um, I think that that really super duper excites him for good reasons. And um, just the way that he says it. He says it's never happened before. Well, I'll tell you that it has. Um, and the, the, astound, the astounding explanation he uses is that it's because they're having dreams and visions of Jesus. Well, it says in Job 33, 13, 14, and 15, it says, The Lord speaks once, yea, twice, but man perceiveth it not in a dream and a vision of the night. When deep sleep falls upon man, save their souls from the pit. I'm giving you a, a summarized version. All right, but the point is that that's it. That's it. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I am so glad that the two, the, the Souza, uh has noticed that from the sources that he is monitoring because that means to me that it is increasing exponentially that it would capture his attention. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So for any of you out there that um, have a heart, the heart of Christ, and you want to uh, serve him, please understand that there is nothing more important than praying for the law. Uh, that's why we do it the way that we do it on the prayer vigil. I'm not saying it's the only way. I'm simply saying that it is very laser focused on that in particular because it works. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Now I'm going to play the next one up here. This here is a live mic event. No surprise. No surprise. There's nothing exciting in the news tonight. I'm just sorry to tell you. Uh, not that. Not to us. Okay. To anybody else? Any other Christian show? To you know whatever I can name a few. Um, uh, to them maybe. But to us, nah, not so much. There's a lot of like, thank you, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. However, I did find this, you know, mildly amusing. So I thought I would go ahead and play it for you. So here we go. Wait, hold on a second. Let me just make sure I got my my gizmos and gadgets and radio stats and volume controls and everything else adjusted the way they're supposed to be. Holding down the control button. Here we go. Let's see if it comes up. I'm watching. Nope. Didn't have. There we go. Here it comes. Hopefully it's loud enough. Huh. Nothing. I know what's wrong. Hold on a second. I know what's wrong. Bad, naughty, naughty, Johnny. Uh, all the gizmos and gadgets and wires and cables and schmables and flippy switches and all that kind of stuff. I missed one of them. Uh, now i got to reach down here like I'm Gumby. Oh, hold on. There we go. All right. Lucky I got didn't like knock four other wires out and take the radio show down. But anyway, here it goes. I mean, hopefully, like I said, I, hopefully it's loud enough. Some of these um, injected video clips are very low volume, and there's nothing I can do about it. But, but here we go. Here it is. These three objects were most likely balloons tied to private companies studying weather or conducting other scientific research. Don't know if you heard that, but he had, you know, being the convalescent, pants-pooping entity that he is, he said, do you think they believe any of that bovine feces? <laughs> but you know what? No surprise it does, right? Amen. It's just annoying to have to, you know. Wait it out. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. I'm gonna, now I'm going to play a little. This is sad. This is sad, um, and it's coming our way. So buckle up. This is a lady who is very, very concerned. She lives in Brazil, 
She's talking about the new mandatory vaccination law in Brazil. All right, so let's go ahead and pull her up and hear what she has to say. It's a little hard to understand her, but I think you'll get it. Wait a minute. This is a nightmare. Listen very well. The penalty is imprisonment from two to eight years plus fine to the if you refuse vaccination without just cause. The same penalty is incurred by anyone who creates disseminates or propagates by any means fake news regarding vaccines in the national immunization program or their effectiveness, uh, which in any way dissuades vaccination. Dissuade right vaccination. Now, I'm sure that my life is in danger. I'm not, I'm, I have no doubt about it. All right. So anyway, that's sad, but uh, I can... I can promise you that we're going to see those same laws be enacted all over the world. And the only place that they will have an exceedingly difficult, if not impossible, time doing it is in the United States of Babylon the Great. And no big deal. We'll just nuke you. All right. So that, but it's all, it's all in the Bible. It's right there. I mean, you can just read it like a newspaper. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Here we go. Oxford. People are against, it's, I think it's called Oxfordshire, uh, people um, against the 15-minute cities they didn't vote for, net zero policies that will control their lives. The council can ignore them, but it, the, in the end, the people will decide, we stand for you, Oxford. Now, and what, what it is is that they have caught on to the fact that their governing bodies are actually planning on implementing this for real. And now they're out in the streets protesting. So we'll have to see where that will end up. I do not know where it will end up. I do not. They're going to if we think that we've seen all the protests that are going to be happening. No, 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 no. It's going to get a lot worse. But is it going to stop them? I'm kind of not thinking it is. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. Uh, headline is. China, children pay for lunches with facial recognition technology. If they have a bad social credit score, they can't pay and they don't eat. Okay? So this is actually enacted today, uh, and they are employing those um, satanic, unbelievably evil um, uh, uh, methods uh, upon uh, the people all over. It's not, it's not just lunch. It's traveling, public transportation. It's moving from one part of the city to the other. Uh, they're really locking it down like crazy. But I, you know, we knew that that was coming a long time ago. Uh, th- this radio show has been talking for more than 12 years about the fact that China was going to be used as the place for the rolling out of the things that are going to be happening during the Great Tribulation. Now, all right, next one up. Hallelujah. Here we go. All right. A fellow by the name of Peter Sweden uh, on Twitter says, Digital ID is already here. He says, here in Scandinavia, I can log into the government health website with my digital ID, and they have a list of all of the vaccines that I've ever had as a child. In order to buy things online, so my car, I have to begin with my Digital ID. They have total control. How many other countries is that happening in? We do not know yet, but it's probably a lot more than the Scandinavian countries. Next one up. 
America is unrecognizable on the brink of collapse, experts warn, turning uh, on our own legacy. And uh, let's see here. I'm going to zoom in on this and see. It says it's, it's nothing. It's nothing that we don't know. Is America dying before our eyes? It says all societies eventually collapse from the classical civilizations of ancient Rome to Greece. The ever alarming decline of modern America could be past. Uh, could, could, could the past be hinting at what's in store for the United States? This is just like one of those uh, philosophical op-eds that's like, yeah, sure, thanks a lot. Uh, you know, it's like one of these. You know. You're good. <laughs> thanks, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. Next headline. World Net Daily reports and says, will Barack Obama run the global reset? I find that absolutely fantastically interesting. Uh, this is the only article that I can recall in a long, long time that is essentially saying in so many words that Obama is the Antichrist and will be running what? The Great Tribulation. You can call what you want to call it. You can say, oh, my gosh, we're heading right for the great Mickey Mouse. This is going to be terrible. I don't care what you call it. It is the Great Tribulation. And it says, rumor has it Barack Obama is becoming discontent with running the Biden administration. And all I got to say is, good job, guys. Good job. World Net Daily. World Net Daily. Rumor has it Barack Obama is becoming discontent with running the Biden administration from the White House basement. <laughs> well said. The great policies that are destroying the nation are his. Um, now, I would correct this article and say destroying the world are his. And he wants the spotlight again. Now, do I think that he thinks of, th thinks of all of them by himself or does him and Michael, you know, do th the things that they do? Which, of course, you don't want to imagine that stuff because you can't unimagine it, so don't even imagine it. Um, hey, look at me. I was groomed to run the world during the Great Reset or – I'm sorry, the Great Donald Duck or the Great – spanky or the whatever okay so anyway it, it goes on and it muses it drops a few more names but at the end of the world or not the end of the world although i wish it was the end of the world um uh, at the end of the day it's really kind of irrelevant i do pat them on the back uh world net daily for being very aware of the fact of what what is going on for the most part they don't know all of the little bits and pieces and moving parts but that's okay this is good enough for me and i applaud them thank you jesus hallelujah next one up Police told to keep record of conspiracy theorists and communists. <laughs> oh, no, it sounds like the red and blue list to me. Everybody go look at your mailbox in the uh, end of your driveway and stuff for a red and blue dot or whatever, so you know whether or not you're going to be taken by the choppers first or if you're going to have to, you know, I mean, because, you know, I mean, we want to know about Uh-oh. Quiet. Be quiet. Okay, it looks like we ducked imminent, imminent arrest. You know, I could get taken any, any you know, I, the NDAA from the John Warner National Defense Authorization Act of 2017 has, uh, you know, extended extended rendition in it. I can be taken away for, I mean, you know, when those, you got to duck, you know, you got to get under the desk and because something bad could happen. Ow, boy, that's, how loud it, is that person knocked? 
I'm looking at the security camera right now. Oh, man, it looks like... Holy moly, they went inside the house. Well, I'm not going to let them in. I've had it up to here with all these New World Order people trying to come and get me in. Oh, not the chickens. Who let those chickens out of the... Do you know how endangered you guys are? Lay an egg. Do something good. Ow! Don't be pecking me. Lay an egg. You know how much I like eggs. Oh, for crying out loud. Ow, ow, ow. What did I do to... I... I, get away! Ow, ow, ow! Stop it! Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Line four on the red phone coming into the studio. Who could it be? Someone from Gulliver's Travel. We're doomed. It's Clum. Yeah. He's right about that. That is, if you aren't part of the bride... <laughs> Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Oops, hey, you got the wrong, uh, wrong, uh, okay, here we go. Inside paper, it says, alert, panic has eight lions seen roaming on the streets of the village in Gujarat, India. And you might say, well, what's the big deal about that? Monkeys, you know, angora sheep and whales, you know, um, don't get me going on all the hyenas and all the weirdness and places they're going, chasing people on ski slopes and aspen and all that kind of this is it's in the bible it just it's very uh it's a it's a very light touch it simply says and the beasts of the field okay so when it's talking about all this you know behold a pale horse pandemonium taking place across the world it it toss <clears throat> excuse me it tosses in at the very end and the beasts of the field so whenever we see these kinds of reports i mean think about it this is, a, this is a pride of female lions. They're the ones who do all the hunting. We always think the ones, who, you know, the males are the ones who are the, you know, they capture the, uh, um, you know, the uh, uh, cape buffalo and stuff and have a big meal. But that is not how it works. It's the females in a pride that go walking around in the group, and they are the ones who capture the antelopes and all that kind of stuff. All right, so they, they're, they're out looking for food. <laughs> okay, these there's one, two, three, four. Yep, sure enough, six of them looks like no seven. I got seven on this one here. Does it say six? No, eight. I don't see where the other ones are. Maybe it's out of. But anyway, the point is they're looking for food. Walking right into a village in in India. Uh, another headline very similar says video of leopard on the loose attacking citizens of DHA DHA Islamabad goes viral and I watched it and sure enough there's this leopard <laughs> you know like jumping over fences and jumping over cars and running after people and biting them and everything else and I'm like oh that's pretty dagnabbit unusual but very very much in a line uh, aligned to uh, the Bible I mean very much like reading the Bible uh, as a newspaper. Another headline reads, praise God, CLU hails the first after-school sainting club, meeting in Virginia Elementary School, uh, a victory for free speech and religious liberty. For who? <laughs> and where are they going? Okay, another report out of Iraqi News says, North Korea says it fired the ICBM as a warning to the United States. Helter Skelter, Helter Skelter, I'm telling you, his sister is one creep. She, you, she's going to be the one to press the button. You watch. You'll see. All right, praise God. Another headline. Praise you, United States administration covering up reports that Biden's mental health. Oh, wait a minute. This is another one of those. Biden. You're good. Thanks, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. 
another headline or another report is so much is going on. I kid you not. I, I pulled this literally off of my finely tuned Twitter feed. And it said, so much is going on right now. Everyone's taking sides. It feels like events are happening faster than and faster. Chaos that we have never seen coming. And we don't know what will happen next. It's enough. Is it, is it enough to keep you up at night? This guy's got like a gazillion followers, too. It's like, hey, man, you know what you're doing? You're basically repeating the theme of several prophecies that I have going back all the way to 2013. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus on the march in Santa Monica, California. And I could play a little thing here, and you'll hear everybody uh, marching down the road. Might as well. I play all the, all the, all the other stuff here. They got Jesus signs yeah. everywhere. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah, God bless you, brother. Hey, hey, what's up, brother? You know, not even one Molotov cocktail. Not not even one person's wearing a black scarf or mask or. Ah, just imagine that. How cool is that? I think it's great. UK to launch digital pound central bank digital digital bank central bank digital currency CBDC CBDC. Sounds like one of those hemp you know extract things that make you sleep better at night. They say. All right. So um, and then Florida grand jury to investigate misconduct uh, surrounding the COVID vaccine rollout. So there is a lot of that stuff going on in Florida. And DeSantis is doing everything that he said he was going to. He said he's going after woke. He's going after woke like crazy. And he is convening uh, grand juries. And he's he's he means it. <laughs> and, he's, and everyone that's taken him on is lost so far. So it's kind of interesting to watch that stuff go down. Another headline re- reads, a report, uh, Russia's northern fleet deployed is now deployed into the uh, Black Sea with nuclear, you know, ships that carry nuclear missiles on them. No surprise there. Um, I love this. McCarthy, the House Speaker, gave in. Okay, at first he was saying he wasn't going to do it because he thought it was a matter of national security, but now he's turned over, like, unbelievable, something like 40,000 hours of the January 6th, quote, false flag event. Guess who, too? Tucker Carlson. Nice. So anyway, that ought to get very interesting. And then, of course, one, and we'll leave you with this before we bring on Brother Peterson. Charisma News reports, Kristen Teacher fired for refusing to participate in lies from the devil. Good for her. Hallelujah. And on that note, let's bring on Brother Lauren. God, thank you, Jesus. All right, now, wait a minute. I'm getting old now, and i got to focus my eyes. There it is. It's got that telltale uh, area code here. It's uh, it, it's one of those that's only assigned to, like, cowboy land. So, like, you know, if, you, if you're not, like, out eating beans and hunting bison, you can't have this area code. Let's bring them on live. Brother Peterson, are you there? Uh, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Happy trails to you, you South Dakota geek. Happy trails. <laughs> you know? 
so what's going on, man? Yeah. <laughs> long, yeah. long time no talk to, huh? I know. It's, it's just Step away from that long. gigantic white bowl of cornflakes. What? That's Sorry, right. go ahead. That's right. Well, yeah, I'm just hanging well, out here right. in my deep underground bunker. I know. Well, you know, it's not everybody that finds an old abandoned missile silo in their backyard and says, hey, wait a minute. That's and right. then spots reptilians, right. just like the most right. 33 miners did. Pretty spooky yeah. stuff. But, and cornflakes. Yeah, More cornflakes than <laughs> humans could possibly eat in a lifetime. Man. That well, is just you know, I, sh- I, share, uh, I share my cornflakes with uh, aliens. I just pour in a whole bunch of Lysol in there instead of milk. You know, like what we would eat with milk. I just pour in a whole bunch of Lysol in there, and they just gobble know, that stuff right? down like crazy. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. We should all keep at least, you know, like a one case of Lysol around in case one of the little scout ships lands nearby. We can go out and, like, spray yeah. it all over our front yard and stuff and watch them scampering about getting drunk and whatever. Oh, oh well. Anyway, well, so tell us tell us something new. Say, give us some new fangled information. New fangled information. <laughs> okay. Well, by the way, I do like yeah, westerns. You know, the I like. You can only get from the deep west. Well, go ahead. I do like westerns. Um, there's a TV channel on uh, one of those channels on TV that uh, that that's what they do. Twenty four twenty four hours a day of westerns, western movies, you know, western. Uh, TV shows and stuff. So I guess what appeals to me is uh, I do like the old architecture of the old West. You know the rustic look of buildings and doors and uh, all the, all the stuff they had back then. And some of that, it, yeah, some like of that wood, is still... wood panels falling off the buildings, and you know being able to watch people use the restroom because the thing isn't barely in the saloons that you know and bullet holes yeah. everywhere. Yeah, I love it too, man. Right. I'm right there with you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and back back then, uh, you know, it's uh, in some of the areas out west. You know, and you think of like Deadwood. I'm not that far from Deadwood and Lead, and uh, the old wild, wild west. And before the law came in into town, you know, came into the region, the law. And so it was like every man was a law unto himself, almost. You know. And so life back then, it was like man versus nature or man versus man or, you know, uh, whatever. But it was, in a lot of cases, very brutal, uh, very uh, brutal any way you look at it. But there was an honesty in that brutality. You knew what you were up against. Um, so this notion, like like in today's world, we have so many um, social networks, you know, um, to fall back on for people to fall back on that did not exist back then. It's like, like very much like Apostle Paul said, if you don't work, you don't eat. So in the old style West, if you didn't get out there and work, you didn't eat. And working was no guarantee of eating either. You don't have to go out and hunt, hunt your own game and um, maybe do some fishing or, you know, collect some berries. You know, nothing was a given. There's no Walmarts, no 7-Elevens, no you know, cars, you know, five minutes you're at your destination kind of thing. It's It was uh, very natural. And we're probably going to get a chance to go back to those days <laughs> fairly soon when the big E. Really? Was I, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to, uh, you know, not have modern plumbing, having no place yeah. to go to the restroom. 
having to use various foliage to take care of basic hygiene. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. Yeah, br- you know, put the beans over the fireplace and let's have at it. <laughs> Not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. You know, um, anybody that's been listening for a while, uh, remember that um, in uh, 2020, 2021, and early part of 2022, I had to go back to my mother's to process her estate. And there was a, a stretch of time there where the cats had clawed through the uh, flex ducting underneath her as a double-wide fancy trailer house, basically. Um, the cats had clawed through to get to the heat. Uh, during the winter time, and so I had to shut the furnace off. Long story short, short I had to shut the furnace off. Otherwise, it would run 24/7. And furnace motors are not designed to run 24/7, you know, till the end of winter time. So I had to shut the furnace off, which means uh, everything would freeze up. And uh, but the electricity was still on. Uh, so when I, when I, my trips after shutting the furnace off, I had to take couple electric heaters with me and uh, hang out in the middle bedroom, which was the smallest bedroom, and it was in the middle of the house. Uh, so it was one, but going in the house, it was about as, like, just simply walking outside. It was just bone-chilling cold, <laughs> you know, just zip, zaps right through your clothing, right through your, you know, um, park I'm wearing and everything. It's just bone-chilling cold in that house, and so I had really skedaddle fast to unload the car and all everything in the kitchen uh, well before that is to set up the two heaters in the be- uh, bedroom and get them running and uh etc cetera, etc cetera, you know so you know it's like wow thank god for electricity but what would happen if you didn't even have electricity you know we it really brought home how much we take for granted in our modern society and uh <clears throat> how much we're dependent upon things even rolling the clock back, when I was growing up, there was families uh, out in the hinterlands, you know, farm farm families, that had not yet had electricity to their farms. Uh, rural, rural America was still being uh, electrified in, in some areas of the country. And <clears throat> so it's like, imagine, again, t- flipping flipping the... When everything goes dark, these people, you know, if it wasn't for fossil fuels, we would not, we'd still be living in caves. <laughs> we'd still be living 100, 200 years ago, okay? And so when the those people who want to get rid of all fossil fuels and, and the, what they generate and stuff and go to all electric, and do they have any clue that the big EMP is going to eventually hit, knocking out all electronics? That means that if you go all electric with your heating your house, you're going into the deep freeze. And it didn't take long. So when I um, was getting ready to, you know, had to pack up the car to leave, you know, and um, turn the heaters off in that small bedroom, and about an hour later, you could definitely feel the chill set in. And once that chill sets in, it doesn't take long to deep dive into bone-chilling cold again. So how much time do you think in any given house, even if it's been super insulated, 
when electricity goes out that the cold sets in. And you want, you want to do away with all fossil fuels. That means even like wood-burning stoves and fireplaces, do away with them too, all electric. Well, I sure hope you all have fun freezing to death, <laughs> because that's what's going to happen. Or you have to have maybe a, a Native American um, person as your best friend to teach you how to build your own teepee, <laughs> do your own IKEA buffalo skins and all that stuff but we can't do that either because that's cruel to the buffaloes and we can't have any fire going on in the teepee because that's burning a fossil fuel you know burning wood so we can't do that either so i guess just everybody has to freeze to death and you know we can just understand why the world wouldn't wouldn't know what's coming on but so many of the churches the christians don't know what's (laughs) coming down the pike either because um a lot of times they don't read or study the Bible, and a lot of times maybe they do, but, you know, a lot of areas of the Bible are just uncomfortable to study them, and we don't want to go there because we want people to feel good about themselves, feel good about tomorrow, you know, even though that big asteroid's coming in you know, tomorrow and blasting all into the Gulf of Mexico and causing tsunamis all over the place and killing millions of people. We don't want to think about that. So when you read through the Bible, in particular the um, sections of Scripture that deal with then day's prophecies, there's a whole lot of ugly that's going to happen. So what do you think that's going to do to knocking out our energy systems? When the Bible talks about three days and nights of total darkness where you can't even see, this isn't just a physical darkness, it's also a spiritual darkness where you can't even see in front of your nose. I would I would pro- suspect that even if you had a candle or a kerosene lantern burning, you wouldn't be able to see it. It's that intense of a darkness. It's not just a physical darkness, but a spiritual darkness. Um like a supernatural type of darkness. And so when that happens, all your um, energy systems that depend on sunlight aren't going to work. All your systems that depend on uh, wind might fail. (laughs) You know, wind generators, solar panels, all this nice, cutesy stuff that we, you know, some people want to transition to 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 be more environmentally friendly in the end is going to be your demise. So they don't want to think about that, but it's clearly played uh, portrayed in Scripture. So I would like to mention a few of those tonight. So, for example... The sixth seal, John, you've covered that many times concerning the sixth seal and tying in with Old Testament scriptures too, but I'll just read a, um, a little bit here. Uh, sixth seal, as uh, Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. Right off the bat on opening the sixth seal, there's a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like 
blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. So every mountain and island was moved out of its place. What do you suppose that means? <laughs> How does it? How about a global earthquake? And more than just a global earthquake, but every mountain and island moved out of its place. So imagine, if you will, you know, you know, we can go on the Internet and look at how the continents and, uh, of the world are laid out on the planet. You can do that right now. You just go look at it. And imagine, if you will, all the continents, all the islands, everything being moved out of its current configuration what do you think that means you think that's going to be a nice slow gentle movement that takes millions and millions and millions of years to happen okay or is it going to be something that radically happens All right, so on the kings of the earth and the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in caves and in the rocks of the mountains. Like, that's going to help them? I don't think so. And said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? So you think of all these millionaires and billionaires buying up lands out here in the Midwest, um, supposedly have stable environments to uh, put in their underground bunkers with all their fail-safe systems and air uh, quality controls and everything. But at some point, you got to get air from upside, right? Well, what if the upside on this scenario here is torqued so badly? that the ocean waters come flooding in and flood down that air intake and flood your deep underground bunker. And everybody down there drowns to death. That's one scenario. How about um, there's fault lines, ancient fault lines that run crisscross across this country and other parts of the world, ancient fault lines. And when something like this where it's a global earthquake, don't you suppose that it's fair to say that every single modern as well as ancient fault line is going to be activated? And so you you got your you think you're safe in a deep underground bunker, these millionaires, or the government has these deep underground you know cities and uh Railway, railways and everything, all these deep underground fortifications. But the, the sheer force, I don't think they've taken into consideration the sheer force when you have these ancient fault lines with this much global-wide torquing going on. It's, it's like in the martial arts when we see the masters, when they put their hand through solid rocks or, you know, this big log, just smash it, you know, it's just snapped like a toothpick, right? But that's what we see in the natural realm with our natural eyes. It looks like their hand is going through that object. But they're, they are masters of their chi, their life force, and they have focused their life force 
on the edge of their hand, and it's the life force that is altering, that precedes the hand, that is altering the molecular structure of that object. Um, the life force is slicing through the molecular structure, uh, the bondings of molecules. It's right on the edge of disassembling that bond, bondings, and their hands go through that object like, uh, like a knife through butter, so to speak because the molecular bondings have loosened due to their chi, their focused chi, life force, soul force, okay? So think in terms of that cross-correlated over to, over to an earthquake. Back in, what was it, 1989, thereabouts, um, there was a big earthquake in um, the LA, LA area, and, you know, these areas that are earthquake-prone, they've gone to great lengths to fortify all their structures for, for the possibility of an earthquake. But there were bridges and things that just snapped like toothpicks in spite of the fortification because they didn't take into consideration um, wave theory. Wave theory and the force of waves due to the... Um, the th of an earthquake. So we see the effects on the surface of the ground of an earthquake. What we don't see with a natural eye, of course, is the wave theory that passes through the earth and interacts with the materials that are in the earth from wherever that earthquake originated, whether it's shallow, whether it's deep. That wave that passes through various you know, various types of soil and rock and magma and all that stuff, and how that interaction then crisscrosses into other fault lines that interact with those things. One thing leads to another, okay? And so when you have a global earthquake of this magnitude that this is talking about here, of the sixth seal, don't you suppose that's going to reactivate even the ancient fault lines? Don't you think when every mountain and island is moved out of its place that that's going to have a serious torquing effect even in these deep underground places? And the wave theory, you know, wave, the, the sheer force of a wave, depending on, uh, you know, it's it's depending on the wave, depending on the energy that rides on the wave, depending on... Uh, the soil construct, everything. These some of these deep underground bunkers may just snap like toothpicks, and everybody in there dies. Okay, and that's kind of like basically what this is saying at the end of this. The great men, the rich men, the commanders, military, you know, mighty men, every slave, every free man hid themselves in the caves and the rocks of the mountains as if that's going to help them any, all right? And said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. <clears throat> it's like, fall on us and kill us because we're not going to survive the wrath of the Lamb anyway. <clears throat> it's going to become self-evident at this magnitude of a global earthquake. Now let's go to Revelation uh, chapter 16. This is during the seventh seal is the seventh seal then later on is the seven bowl judgments. <clears throat> and this is the one that's talking about the seventh bowl, Revelation chapter 16, 
where the earth is utterly shaken. Verse 17, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. So I live out here, and it's not just here, but in this area out here, there's, um, due to the, the way the nature of the Black Hills and how that plays out when uh, uh, rainstorms come through the summertime, oftentimes they, uh, they can have s- severe hail come, comes with it. And the hail, <clears throat> I've seen hail in uh, other uh, areas around this region, the size of golf golf balls or even baseballs, just smashing, I mean, smashing, uh, stripping trees of their leaves and their branches, uh, smashing through car windows and everything, right? And we've seen that other places in the country or other places in the world, these big, <laughs> giant hills hailstones, you know. But imagine this, verse 21, and great hail from heaven fell upon men about the weight of a talent. I'm not sure what what that is, but it's a whole lot heavier, which would imply a whole lot bigger than anything we've seen so far. This is the kind of hailstone that could probably smash right through a roof of a house, right through the the ceiling and you know for example kill people while they're sleeping okay it's not only the weight it's the force that's com- coming with that weight the force again remember wave theory okay what kind of storm would produce this kind of a gigantic car if you got a car outside well even if you have it garaged probably won't make much difference because a hailstone this big with this much force behind it if you're out in the open you'll be dead one of these hits you in the head hits you in the body you're done be like a 50 cal ripping you to pieces okay um if you're in cars in a garage say goodbye to your garage and your car if you're hiding out in a home, a you know, traditional home, you know, style home, it'll pierce through. You know, it, you're, if you're a farmer, rancher, agriculture, your, your animals will be all slaughtered, okay? There's going to be nothing left. Trees, will not big trunk trees will snap like toothpicks, you know? This is a, a major storm type of situation, right? So we go back to... Um, verse 18, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. So this earthquake here is even greater than the one in the sixth seal. 
as much as that six seal earthquake was a global earthquake causing massive global devastation and the bible saying here in verse 18 that this earthquake is even mightier than the six seal earthquake so much so <clears throat> that the great city is divided in three parts and the cities of the nations fell you think of all the cities all over the nation in our modern world with all the skyscrapers and and even those cities that codes we recently saw uh, over there in Turkey uh, their dev recent devastating earthquake or earthquakes over there where thousands and thousands of buildings just collapsed or maybe hundreds to thousands of buildings collapsed and thousands of people perished so imagine what the sixth seal will be like imagine what the seventh bowl judgment will be like when even the cities of the nations fall think of a one world tower in New York City collapsing all coming down think of all the skyscrapers all these big magnificent cities think of over there in du was it Dubai the nation of du Dubai I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it correctly where they they want to build the world's most tallest uh you know skyscraper building they you know engineering wise they they've really done a fantastic job building skyscrapers and modernizing their society and everything but it's all coming down all the cities of the nations will be coming down and every verse 20 every island will be no more and the mountains were not found the mountains aren't found even the mountains you can understand that the islands might disappear when you have this kind of a earthquake and i'm going to be reading something just a little bit that'll give us an idea and then we'll probably magnify that a hundred times of what i'm going to be reading the devastation that's coming to this world when even the mountains are no more. My goodness, folks. <laughs> Such a global shaking that even the mountains are sucked back down into the ground. And then followed by this great hail from heaven. Okay. This is the wrath of the Lamb of God. Now we just... Somewhat soon got done, you know, celebrating another season of Christmas. We celebrate, even though those of us who know better, we know that Jesus was not born on December the 25th. But that's when we celebrate his birth. But most people and most uh, of the church wants to leave him as a baby in swaddling clothes in that manger. That's where they want to leave him. But he did grow up, didn't he? He grew up, he became a man. Okay, and then he eventually died on that cross. But then he rose from the dead. And when he comes back in Revelation 19, he's not coming back as a baby. He's not coming back as a teenager. He's not coming back as a young man. He's not even coming back when he was 33 and a half years old on, on this planet. He's coming back as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and he's coming back with the hosts of heaven, the armies of heaven, for the last battle, Armageddon. 
So there's even people in churches who want to leave Jesus either on the cross or they want to leave him in the in the burial cave. They don't want a resurrected Jesus. They don't want a Jesus that comes back and brings righteous judgment and the wrath, the wrath and lamb of God. They don't they don't they don't want that. But that's what scripture says is coming. Okay, so <clears throat> Interesting, going back to Genesis chapter 10, we have verse 25. There's a a long list of who begat whose in chapter 10. I want to focus on verse 25. To Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided. Brother's name was Joktan. So interesting, just a little, you know, the one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided. That carries a lot of weight. Oftentimes, you know, the Bible doesn't, um, some of the greatest mysteries are held within a few words. And those few words on the surface appear to be, well, I don't know, you know, like you don't know what that means or earth was divided. What does that mean, you know? So we tie it in to the next chapter, and that's chapter 11, which is the Tower of Babel incident, which is the first nine verses of chapter 11. And so... um, So there, therefore, uh, verse 9, its name's called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. The earth then was divided, right? So we can see that mankind that had become unified, that God then scattered them abroad all the face of the earth. So that would make sense in that, in that sense, that the earth was divided, Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided. So it would imply, that verse would imply, that Peleg lived during that time of the Tower of Babel. The earth was divided. But could it mean also, not divided as in scattering people over and confounding their language, divided. Could it also mean that something catastrophic happened here at the Tower of Babel that divided the 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 earth the continents okay was there something that could have happened here so in my opinion Isaiah chapter 4 24 factors in because some of the same <clears throat> wordage and phrases are used in Isaiah 24 traditionally 24 is regarded as evidence of Noah's flood but i would disagree so I'll read a few verses, but you can decide what you want to believe. I'm not going to say, thus saith the Lord. I'm just saying it looks to me like Isaiah 24 factors in to the Tower of Babel. And then I'm after reading this, we'll read um, something else that will definitely help us understand the earth changes. Okay, so verse 1, Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste, distorts its surface 
and scatters abroad its inhabitants. So it distorts, the Lord is making earth empty and making it waste and distorting its surface. What do you suppose that means, distorting its surface? A surface that becomes distorted, the kind of earth changes, pressures, uh, earthquakes, continental um, volcanoes going off, maybe distorting the surface of the earth. Could that imply a rapid type of continental shift? Not something that takes millions and millions and millions and millions of years, but something that can happen in rapid fire succession, distorts its surface. And through that distorting of the surface of the earth, obviously, especially if we're talking about continental, drastic continental shift, shifting, and tying that in to what we're just read about Revelation of the sixth seal and Revelation the, the seventh bowl judgment, we're uh, talking to both places talking about global earthquake, distorting the surface of the earth. Obviously, when the islands disappear and even the mountains disappear, don't you suppose that's distorting the earth, surface of the earth? <laughs> So let's backtrack Revelation right back to this verse 1, the distortion of the earth's surface means drastic change of the continental arrangements and islands, etc. And what used to be under ocean is now above water. What was above water is now beneath the waves. And in that process scatters abroad the inhabitants, don't you suppose, if Yet the continents, as scientists proposed, were closer together at one time, that the peoples at that time would have lived closer as well. Take the United States, for example. Okay, There's a prophecy regarding the new Madrid fault line. If that thing snaps, millions of people would be dead. The, the uh, Gulf of Mexico will flow in into the, that middle region of the United States, and the, the five... Uh, Lakes will be disrupted and flow to meet the Gulf of Mexico, and you'll have the eastern United States and the western United States separated by this big expanse of water through the middle. And think of the millions of people that will die as a consequence, and not just directly in that area, but when the New Madrid snaps, again, talking about ancient fault lines to crisscross all over the nation that will be reactivated as a consequence. So the major flooding within the Mississippi River Basin will spread out wherever these areas and then the, the, uh, like, like many tsunamis going back and forth, sideways, east, west, north, south, through that, washing away additional land areas and cities and people until things finally settle down. So we'll just have like a western portion and an eastern portion of what was once upon a time the United States and parts of Canada. Now those people on the east, those people on the west, would be scattered abroad, so to speak. Okay, so the earth, verse 4, the earth mourns and fades away. The world languishes and fades away. The haughty people of the earth language, languish. The earth is also defiled under its inhabitants because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, 
broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, the curse has devoured the earth, and those who dwell in it are desolate or made desolate, stripped. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men are left. The inhabitants of the earth are burned. There's various verses here and there, Old Testament and New Testament, that would imply nuclear weapons going off. Could that be what this is? The inhabitants of the earth are burned. A a lot of people think Isaiah 24 is also prophetic, but there's elements in this chapter that are prophecy of what is yet to come. That is valid. But oftentimes what we find is as prophecy in Scripture can be backtracked to former times because history repeats itself. Within this fallen one-third that was sanctioned off, put in a sandbox, which means then that the unfallen two-thirds been free to continue on with God's ongoing development, whereas the one-third being sanctioned off, cut off from that further development, and being uh, sanctioned off, cordoned off in a DMZ in the um, um, Forbidden Zone, like in Star Trek, the Forbidden Zone, that completely encircles this fallen one-third, so to speak. There's a boundary, a hard, fast boundary between the fallen and the unfallen. And that's in Job chapter 26, the boundary between light and darkness. The darkness is the fallen one-third. The fallen one-third, because it's been cut off, sanctioned off, cordoned off, sandboxed off from God's ongoing, moving forward creation of the unfallen two-thirds. There, consequently, the fallen one-third is condemned to repeat history. There is, you could educate, if it was possible, everybody on the planet equally as far as history goes, so we wouldn't repeat the past, but we would repeat the past. We are condemned to repeat the past. We're on a treadmill to nowhere. Uh, we're in an endless loop. An endless loop is a computer term where a computer just, you know, if your computer gets locked up, so to speak, it's it's involved in an endless loop. It can't get out of that loop. Something failed in the programming somewhere, and your computer's locked. And to me, sometimes, maybe this happens to you folks, sometimes your computer just locks up. And um, hopefully you've got some something you can do to unlock it and reboot or whatever, you know. If nothing else, turn it off and turn it back on again. But we don't get the option of turning off our reality here and turning it back on. So as much as this may have the appearance of a hologram reality, we're not in control of it. We can't just hit the off button to our lives or what's going on in the world and then re- do a reboot, and now we're living in Andy of Mayberry, you know, kind of thing, or Gomer Pyle. You know, those days are long gone. We're not going back to those days. Okay, we're we're in this endless loop to nowhere, and that's why Jesus came to rescue those of us 
to get us out of here, to get us out of this endless loop to destruction, okay, that leads to destruction. So that, that may sound sound depressing, okay, that we're in this fallen one-third and it's condemned to an endless repeat of history, that there's no way out of here. There's no way out of this end game. There's a way that seemeth right unto the man, but there, then thereof is destruction. That's implied also for this fallen one-third. And that's one of the reasons Jesus came to this fallen one-third. He came from the outside into the inside of this to rescue whoever calls, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. To rescue us out of this endless loop that leads to perdition. Okay, so change the ordinance, transgress the laws, change the ordinance, broken everlasting covenant. In our mad rush to science and technology and that of the fallen angels, this is what we are doing. We are transgressing the laws, changing the ordinances, breaking the everlasting covenant, and we're going to bring a curse to devour the earth and make ourselves desolate. And the inhabitants of the earth have burned and few men are left. So the Tower of Babel incident, in further deep diving into it, is compared to a global civilization at that time, as a consequence of what they did, there were few men that were left. And that includes women okay, and children. Few, few people left in comparison to what used to be a global civilization. So, in my opinion, that's not talking about Noah's Flood, where only eight people survived. Eight people, um, of which there were four men, few men. So, if four men are few men, then there weren't that many men pre-flood to begin with, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Which runs contrary, once you understand what the pre-flood environment was fully capable of supporting what, today we have 8 billion people on the planet and counting. Ramp that up. Many billions more. You know, who knows? <clears throat> the Book of Enoch says that the land mass to, to water ratio pre-flood was six parts land, one part water. So today we have about 70% land mass, of which there's a lot of desert and, and uh you know, mountainous and all that business that are not good for growing food. <clears throat> but in the free, pre-flood world, it was very um, even. There was a lot of uh, ability to grow food and uh, much better food and everything than we have today. So the the planet was capable of supporting many billions more of human beings, not counting everybody else. And, and and later on the giants, but the giants' appetite was so enormous that they ended up running out of food to feed them. Uh, so they would end up being cannibals and eating human beings and anything to get their hands on, just munch them down, right? Um, so few men are left. This might imply that the Tower of Babel included, in, uh, also involved a, a global war and went nuclear. 
We've been down this road before. I can say that, folks. We've been down this war, war, this road before at least twice. The run up to flood, run up to the Tower of Babel. Okay, so reading further down, um, let's go to verse 19. The earth is violently broken. The earth is split open. The earth is shaken exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall totter like a hut. Its transgression shall be heavy upon it, and it will fall and not rise again. So if this if this is reflective of what happened as a consequence of the Tower of Babel, does that sound like you know something that took millions and millions and millions and millions of years of evolutionary change, or something that happened drastically quickly? The earth is split open. Does that sound like earthquake to anybody? Shaking exceedingly. Something uh, external to the earth was shaking this planet. Okay, Just like what we read in Revelation 6 and 17 about global earthquakes at that time. When you take into consideration the lead up to the sixth seal, when you take into consideration the opening of the seventh seal, all the stuff that's going on during the seventh seal culminating in the seventh bowl judgment, you can kind of get a really good picture of what leads up to the global earthquake in 17, whereby there aren't any islands left and even the mountains have been sucked down into, into the earth. Okay, And the earth is shaken exceedingly. So we can Take Isaiah 24 here and fast-forward it to Revelation 6 and Revelation 17, but we can also, in my opinion, backtrack to the Tower of Babel, what what they did to bring this about. Now I'm going to go into some uh, reading here. <clears throat> this deals with Charles Hapgood, and uh, it's an article I, I copied. It's called Earth Crust Displacement. In 1958, Charles Hapgood suggested in his book, The Earth's Shifting Crust, that the Earth's crust had undergone, undergone repeated displacements and that the geological concepts of continental drift and seafloor spreading owed their secondary livelihoods to the primary nature of crustal shift. According to Hapgood, crustal shift was made possible by a layer of liquid rock situated about 100 miles beneath the surface of the planet. A pole shift would thus displace the Earth's crust in around the inner mantle, resulting in crustal rocks being exposed to magnetic fields of a different direction. And this is all all over the planet, folks, this kind of evidence. Pole shifts and earth crust displacement. An earth crust displacement, as the word suggests, is a movement of the entire outer shell of the earth over its inner layers. If you remove the peel from an orange and then reattach it to the fruit, you can visualize the possibility of the peel moving over the inner layers. The Earth's crust, according to Charles Hapgood, can similarly change its position over the inner layers. When it does, the globe experiences climatic change. The climatic zones, polar, temperate, and tropical, remain the same because the sun still shines on the Earth from the same angle in the sky. From the perspective of people on the Earth at the time, it appears as the sky is falling. In reality, it is the Earth's crust shifting to another location. Some land moves towards the tropics. Others shift with the same movement towards the poles. 
yet others may escape such great changes in latitude. The consequence of such a movement of the entire outer shell of the earth is catastrophic. Throughout the world, massive earthquake, earthquakes shake the land and enormous tidal waves crash into and over the continental shelf. As the old ice caps leave the polar zones, they melt, raising the ocean level higher and higher. Everywhere and by whatever means, people seek higher ground to avoid an ocean in upheaval. Babilov found a direct correlation between agricultural origins and lands more than 4,920 feet above sea level. Working on the assumption that the Earth's magnetic poles are usually close to the poles of rotation, Hapgood collected geomagnetic rock samples, finding evidence that the most recent Earth crust displacement must have occurred between 17,000 to 12,000 years ago. That's not that long ago, folks. Uh, for us, it is, you know, but geologically speaking, it's not that long ago. The North Pole would have moved from the Hudson Bay area of northern Canada to its current place in the Arctic Ocean. More recently, uh, Langway and Hansen, 1973, gathered climatic data pointing to a dramatic change in climate at 12,000 years ago. At that time, the Pleistocene extinctions, rising ocean levels, the close of the Ice Age, and the origins of agriculture all seemed to coincide. Earth crust displacement effects and evidence. In his best-selling book, Earth and Upheaval, historian Emmanuel Velikovsky gave an account of what might be expected when the Earth tilts on its axis, and I might add what we could expect on steroids in Revelation chapter 6 and chapter 17, the great global earthquakes. Let us assume as a working hypothesis that under the impact of a force or the influence of an agent, and the Earth does not travel in an empty universe. The axis of the Earth shifted or tilted. At that moment, an Earth would make the globe shudder. Air and water would continue to move through inertia. Hurricanes would sweep the Earth, and seas would rush over continents, carrying gravel and sand and marine animals and casting them onto land. Heat would be developed. Rocks would melt. Volcanoes would erupt, lava would flow from fissures in the ruptured ground and cover vast areas. Mountains would spring up from the plains and would climb and travel upon the shoulders of other mountains, causing faults and, and rips. Lakes would be tilted and emptied. Rivers would change their beds, large land areas, and all their inhabitants would slip under the sea. Forests would burn, and the hurricanes and wild seas would rest them from the ground on which they grew and pile them, branch and root, in heaps. Seas would turn into deserts, their waters rolling away. And if the change in the velocity of the diurnal rotation that's slowing the planet down should accompany the shifting of the axis, the water confined to the equal equatorial oceans by centrifugal force would retreat to the poles and high tides and hurricanes would rush from pole to pole, carrying reindeers and seals to the tropics and desert lions to the Arctic, moving from the equator up 
to the mountains, ridges of the Himalayas, and down the African jungles, and crumbled rocks torn from splintering mountains would be scattered over large distances, and herds of animals would be washed from the plains of Siberia. The shifting of the axis would change the climate in every place, leaving corals in Newfoundland and elephants in Alaska, fig trees in northern Greenland, and luxuriant forests in Antarctica. In the event of a rapid shift of the axis, many species and genre of animals on land and in the sea would be destroyed, and civilizations, if any, would be reduced to ruins. Neither Hapgood nor Velikovsky were pulling theories out of the air. The theory that the terrestrial crust is swimming on magma was first offered in the 1850s. The record of bones and trees and shells and layers of sediment that had been found throughout the world pointed to one or more cataclysms in the Earth's past, some of them as recently as 1500 BCE and amazingly 800 BCE. Velikovsky sums up the scientific establishment past record on answering the questions. What caused tropical forests to grow in polar regions? What caused volcanic activity on a great scale in the past and lava flows on land and in ocean beds? What caused earthquakes to be so numerous and violent in the past? Puzzlement, despair, and frustration are only answers to each and every one of these phenomena. The theories of uniformity or gradualism and evolution maintain that the geological record bears witness that from time to uh, from time immoral even from the time this planet began its existence only minute changes caused by the wind blowing on rocks or the sand grains swimming to the sea accumulated into vast changes these causes however are inadequate to explain the great revolutions in nature and they evoke the expressions of futility on the part of the specialists each in his field velikovsky continues with his account the evidence is overwhelming that the great global catastrophes were either accompanied or caused by shifting of the terrestrial axis or by a disturbance in the diurnal and annual motions of the Earth. The state of lavas with reverse magnetization hundreds of times more intense than the inverted terrestrial magnetic field could impact reveals the nature of the forces that were in action. Many worldwide phenomena, for each of which the causes vainly sought, are explained by a single cause, the sudden changes in climate, transgression of the sea, vast volcanic and seismic activities, formation of ice cover, pluvial crisis, emergence of mountains in their dislocation, rising and substance of coasts, tilting of lakes, sedimentation, fossilization, the provenance of tropical animals and plants in polar regions, conglomerates of fossil animals of various latitudes and habitats, the extinction of species and genre, the appearance of new species, the reversal of Earth's magnetic field, and a score of other worldwide phenomena. Look into any of the above fields and you will begin to see the same pattern. Bevelowski, Hapgood, and Einstein, and hundreds of other independent geologists, paleontologists, and archaeologists have recognized in the Earth's past. A pattern of repeated catastrophic change thought to be brought about by crustal displacements activated by one or more outside agents, such as passing comets or fluctuations in the sun's own magnetic field, appears to have been with humanity and its civilizations from very dawn of mankind. Rand and Rose 
Lamoff discussed Earth crust displacement in their book, When the Sky Fell. Seeing evidence of it almost all parts of the world, they described its effects and the consequences for mankind today. The displacement that happened, according to them, at about 11,000 B.C. had also left other evidence of its deadly visit in a ring of death around the globe. All the continents that experienced rapid and massive extinctions of animal species, notably the American and Siberian, underwent massive changes in their latitudes. And coral has been found in Newfoundland, ferns, fossils, coal, and fossilized tree stumps that have been found in Antarctica. Water lilies and fossilized palm leaves 10 and 12 feet long have been found in uh, Spitzerbergen. There is evidence that the swamp cypress flourished within 500 miles of the North Pole in the Miocene epoch and more. The evidence is overwhelming that the poles have not covered the same parts of the planet for the entire extent of our geological history. The consequences of the displacement are monumental. The Earth's crust ripples over its interior and the world is shaken by incredible quakes and floods. The sky appears to fall as continents groan and shift position. Deep in the ocean, earthquakes generate massive tidal waves which crash against all the coastlines, flooding them. Some lands shift to warmer climes, while others, propelled into polar zones, suffer the direst of winters. Melting ice caps raise the ocean's level higher and higher. All living things must adapt, migrate, or die. If the horror of the Earth crust displacement were to be visited upon today's independent world, the progress of thousands of years of civilization would be torn away from our planet like a fine cobweb. Those who live near high mountains might escape the global tidal waves, but not according to Revelation chapter 17, the seventh bowl judgment. If you're hanging around a mountain, you're going to be sucked down into the Earth's somewhere inside the earth, but they would be forced to leave behind in the lowlands the slowly constructed fruits of civilization. Only amongst the merchant marine and navies of the world might some evidence of civilization remain. The rusting hulls of ships and submarines would eventually perish, but the valuable maps that are housed in them would be saved by survivors, perhaps for hundreds, even thousands of years, until once again mankind could use them to sail the world ocean in search of lost lands. So the thing about metal ships and submarines, uh, as we know from studying the Titanic uh, sunk in the North Atlantic Ocean, it's in danger now of literally falling apart because there's certain microbes deep down in there that feast upon iron and other metals they feast upon it and so it's literally dissolving almost it you know how many i don't know how many more years you know it would take to just completely dissolve into nothingness the titanic okay so any of our think of us being in a submarine okay and your job there is you know if you have to you launch your 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 missiles or uh, maybe you're an attack submarine or something, and this Revelation chapter 6 happens, or 17 happens. Do you think you have any chance of survival? And if this hap- has happened, and it, uh, to me it's for sure has happened, not only is the evidence in, in Earth's stratus and rocks and everything that, that they're describing here in this article I read, but the Bible records this as well. 
And in Revelation 6 and 17 type of destruction, global earthquakes, and then especially in 17 where the islands and especially the mountains disappear. Don't you see? That's kind of, you know, um, <laughs> massive earth changes that are coming up. Anybody in their right mind think they're going to survive that? Okay. My goodness, folks. You want to get right with Jesus. And... The way the world is going, um, supposedly tomorrow, uh, tomorrow's Thursday, Friday, Zelensky has said that something's going to happen that the world ain't going to be happy about. So the idea that came to my mind, there in Ukraine, they have the world's largest um, nuclear power plant. And it wouldn't surprise me if the plan is to blow it which would send radioactive, if you know, this East Palestine, Ohio, with the recent train wreck and all the chemicals and the exposure dioxins and all that stuff that are going to contaminate soil, water, etc., for a long time to come. Think what blowing that nuclear power plant would do. Inside job to make it look like the Russians did it. And it would contaminate Ukraine, contaminate Russia, Europe, and then sail across the globe in the upper... Um, winds that travel hundreds of miles an hour. So in 24 hours, you probably start seeing stuff floating around down across the United States, North America, South America. 24 hours later, the first uh, evidences of that radioactive fallout. Let's hope and pray he's not that much of a fool, but uh, I think he is. <laughs> I can't have my Ukraine the way I want it. Nobody's going to get it, you know. Just take it all down. <clears throat> so by our hist history, and we study angel wars, uh, what the planet Earth used to be like, okay. Uh, I don't have time tonight, but we can backtrack this kind of scenario, backtrack to Genesis 1, verse 2, which in light of the angel wars, and as it moved its way into our own solar system. That verse 2 is a synopsis of the aftermath of an act of angel wars. And, of course, the narrative changes over, focuses, focuses primarily on this planet, but also includes the rest of the fallen, what I call the fallen one-third of creation. So we can uh, go over that again in light of of what was read tonight and what's coming up with Revelation chapter 6, 6 seal, and then the seventh bowl judgment, we can backtrack to previous. And remember this, the seventh bowl judgment, that that earthquake, it's never happened before where even the mountains disappear. Okay, Everything that's happened in the past has resulted in some kind of mountain-building experience. But what happens in verse uh, seventh bowl judgment as those mountains disappear. <clears throat> so we can cover just what kind of catastrophic events happen this poor planet in verse 2, in the lead-up to verse 2, Genesis chapter 1. And the earth had become without form and void of life. And darkness was upon the face of the abyss. <laughs> okay, there's a lot there, folks. Volumes can be written about that one verse. Okay, John. Amen. 
I'm, well, I'm praise God, tonight. brother. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, um, man. Uh, so, we, so I, I just figured Zelensky was gonna like, you know, maybe kidnap Santa Claus or something like that. But you got a pretty evil mind, man. You, you're thinking of some pretty darn dark stuff, you know. But anyway, I'm just kidding. I don't know what I. I, I didn't even know he said that. Um, and you know what? I just well, don't pay he, attention to him because there's, you know, the whole thing is so. Creepy, weird, upside down, Obama-esque, Klaus Schwab, yeah. sickening, twisted, global satanic, who gives a dag on it. Um, anyway, um, ugh, it's enough to just, you know, after a while, you, your cup runneth over and you just want to go, block. <laughs> anyway, hopefully... Yeah. I don't know how long this stuff is going to drag out, but I just, you know, I'm I, the only thing I'm a little bit disappointed about is that the Russian Fed, Federation hasn't moved much more rapidly in to uh, uh, pretty much, you know, level. I don't want them to level Kiev, but I want them to eradicate all government, all, all anything that even appears to resemble past government, um, all the people. All the yeah. charters, anything that is that existed as prior Ukrainian governmental accoutrements, I hope they completely eradicate them and just level it all. Not you know, not not the not the beautiful countryside, not the beautiful um, architecture and stuff and the history, but get rid of like they said the Nazis forevermore. All right, praise God, thank you Jesus, thank you for joining us tonight, uh, Brother Lauren Peterson. Tonight is Wednesday, February twenty second, twenty twenty three. Why are we here still? I don't know. But anyway, I guess we got a job to do. So anyway, we'll see you, Lord willing, for the Friday night prayer vigil at 7 p.m. Please do remember me in prayer because I can't find my way to the restroom where I'm working at right now. God bless you all. Thank you so much. Uh, God bless it is you just about you. it. It really is about that bad. I know it's like thinking as I'm working out of my house because it would be that bad for sure. Anyway, praise God and thank you all for joining us. We'll yeah. see you at 7 p.m. Lord willing. Friday night. God bless you. God Thank bless you, Lauren. You.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.